Thank you for tuning into this week's podcast from Discovery Church. Our hope is that this message would help you seek truth and find purpose. If you would like to know more about Discovery Church, please check us out online at mydiscoverychurch.ca. With that said, let's go to this week's message. There's one other thing that I want to preamble before I jump right in, is that typically every month, uh, the first Sunday of every month, my wife and I, my wife and I, hi, my wife and I, uh, host a welcome to discovery party for anybody that's new or really for anybody if you want to come and hang out with us. But unfortunately, the Super Bowl is today. Um, but that's not why. Uh, my wife is actually away. Uh, she, her, gra- her grandma passed away this week, so she had to leave. Uh, leave. I was going to say the country, but it's not the country. She just flew to Newfoundland, uh, where her grandma is, uh, is being buried today. And uh, I'm a good host, but I, I'm not very good at hosting and putting my kids to bed at the same time. Um, so we're going to actually just sort of push it till next week. So if you're new and you got an email in the last couple of weeks, say, hey, we want to do a discovery party. Plan it. Put it in your calendars for next week. We'd love to have you join us at our house. We're in this series called The Great Escape. This is week three to The Great Escape. We're, this is the halfway point. Two weeks ago, we talked about um, how many of us escape from relationships and God created us to be in relationships with others and, and how uh, in relationships with others is actually enhancing our relationship with him and God's created us to be that and we, we launched discovery groups and if you, you haven't signed up for a discovery group yet, we, we encourage you to do them. Our very first one ever uh, at Discovery Church starts actually today from two to four. Um, so it's never too late to sign up for a discovery group but it is never too early either. So uh, sign up today. You can see there's an iPad on the back. Uh, there's somebody there that can help you out. Even jump online, go to www. Well, you don't even need to put www dot anymore. But uh, my mydiscoverychurch.ca. Look, search groups, and there's there's nine groups to choose from. We would encourage you to be in relationship with people because we believe that God is going to move through relationships as we invest in uh, our our connection with other people. And then last week we talked about uh, what we escape. From and that we call it, you got to face it. And there's there's things in our lives that are are hidden in the back corners and rooms and dark rooms. And we hold the key to allow Jesus in. And we can never walk in complete freedom from uh, from uh, from escaping if there's parts of our lives that are are completely untouched by the Holy Spirit and completely untouched by the light that that Jesus brings. And uh, if you didn't listen to that message, I welcome you to jump onto our website and go back and listen to it. It's literally only like 18 minutes long last week, so it's quick. Uh, but but how we have to, to allow Jesus into every part, part of our life because in the dark parts of our lives, that's where Satan wants to kind of take a hold on our lives and hold us back. And we can't walk in freedom if we, if we don't allow Jesus into every part. And as we jump in this morning, would you just pray with me and we'll welcome, welcome Jesus into this situation even more. Uh, God, we just thank you right now uh, for the opportunity to be able to hear from your word. God, give these words uh, a special anointing. God, I pray, I believe that what we speak on today, what we listen to can bring freedom in my life and in everybody's life that is here. And as we, as we talk about this today, uh, God, let us have open minds and open hearts and, and moldable lives in this very moment. In your name, amen. In this room, we probably have people that are as young as uh, probably grade five. Um, if, if you're younger than grade five, uh, you, you might have your kids in children's ministry. They may be here. Or we, we may have people that are, that are um, very, very aged very well um, or, or have been around longer than a 14-year-old. But we're here. And no matter if, at what stage of life you're in, the potential that is, exists in this room is, is huge. And... Um, 
the potential is unmeasurable because God is, is in, in our lives and we have no idea what he can do through us. But the thing is, today we're going to talk about something that, that may hinder the potential that God has created us for. I don't know about you, but I know that I don't want to miss what God has created me for. And, and today I want to talk about something that you may think is so small, that is so, like, so little, that why are we even talking about it? But I want to talk about a little part of life that many times we don't pay much attention to. But however, if we don't pay any attention to it or very little attention to it, it will affect us for a lifetime. It will affect us. It will actually play a huge part in our lives in hindering God's potential in us. This piece of life that you may not pay much attention to has the power to determine the direction and quality of your life. It has the power to overwhelm uh, our prayers, our worship, and our commitment to God. It doesn't seem so little anymore. Just sort of, it's like, yeah, it's a little part of life that we may not think about or may not think it's a big deal, but just it, 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 will, it will overpower our worship. It will overpower our prayers. It will overpower our, our direction. It's not so little. This little thing that we're going to talk about today, it will either rule us or we will rule it. And I believe because the Holy Spirit's living inside of us and inside of you, we have the potential to rule it and not allow it to rule us. I would like to take the next few moments and speak about a thing called appetites. Now, uh, we are still like during brunch time, so hopefully you're not too hungry yet. And as I start talking about appetites, you're not thinking about Earl's or, or uh, Swiss Chalet or your nachos that you're going to make for Super Bowl. But you can stay engaged here. But this morning, I want to talk in a few minutes about appetites. Because uh, when we don't allow Jesus to infiltrate every part of our lives like we talked about last week and into every room, um, we will naturally gravitate and escape. We're talking about the great escape. We'll, if we don't allow Jesus into every part of our lives and to infiltrate and his light into even the darkest place of our lives, when we escape, the natural place that we will escape to is our places of appetites. And when Jesus wants us to be drawn to him, but if we don't take control of our appetites, we will escape to them instead of finding refuge in Jesus. See, your appetites will either be ruled by you or your appetites will either rule you. Let me just take a, 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 use a couple examples. Your parents. Your parents are who they are today because of an appetite. This might be tough for some, but some people, some people here were abandoned as kids because your mom or your dad had an appetite uh, for alcohol or pills or some other drug. Or maybe your mom or your dad had an appetite for some other man or some other woman and they left you. And you, you ask questions to yourself like, why can't they just love me? Or why would my parents divorce? And as you look back, you see your mom or your dad chase something that was more important to them than you. And as painful as that is, and, and as painful as for that will be for the rest of your life, that is the power of someone's appetite. Some of our deepest pains is not from our appetites, but is from the way that someone else may have managed theirs. Crazy, something so small can have such a huge effect. 
Example number two, some of us, uh, this may be your very first time to church. And, and again, welcome. We are so glad you are here. But if you're, if you're, maybe you can reflect on my life a little bit. I grew up in a Christian home. And uh, uh, church is not necessarily new to me. Doing church like this is a, is a new concept. And I, and I love it even more than ever before. But, but I grew up going to Christian camps and, and conferences and, 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 and encounters with Jesus at, at churches. And, and I find it crazy, though, that no matter what, um, it's, it's sometimes at the most, most powerful encounters I've ever had with Jesus. And you may be able to relate to this. Some of the most powerful encounters I've ever had, when I go back home... It is interesting to see how fast an appetite can come back in to my life, into our lives. Sometimes it seems like we, we eat things that we shouldn't eat or we, we drink things we shouldn't drink or watch things we shouldn't watch or do things we shouldn't do. And how can that, how can that be? Shouldn't the passion for Jesus that I've just encountered at, at church or at a conference or at a camp or on a mission trip, shouldn't the passion for Jesus that I just experienced in those times override the passions for appetites? You would think so. I would hope so. I pray that it does. But there you go. That's the power of an appetite. You will rule it, or it will rule you. It will rule us. Or we will rule it. See, I believe that the response to our appetites will determine the direction and quality of our life, and they will always be a factor in the things that we deal with. See, there are many appetites. See if you can relate to some of these as, as things that you strive for. They're not always bad. Not every appetite is a bad thing, and we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. You will realize that they're not always bad. But see if you can relate to some of these appetites. Um, there, there are many. There's progress. There's, there's responsibility, respect, winning, love, acceptance, fame, recognition, to be envied. Things can be an appetite. Now, the good news is the bad news. Have you ever come like that? It's like somebody's best quality about them is actually their worst quality as well. I have a friend of mine that's like a perfectionist. um, And if he can't do something really, really, really well, he won't do it at all. And I'm like, no, you don't. You just need to do it as best as you can. We're we're, we're striving for excellence, not perfection. He's like, no, if I can't be perfect, I'm not doing it. I'm just like, I like it, but I hate it. Like, it's kind of like, so the good news with this is the bad news as well. and, And with appetites, that might be God calling. So check that. The good news and the bad news are that these appetites are never going away. The appetites that we face in life are never going away. And this is why they're never going away. Because God created them. The appetites that we have in our lives for for progress, responsibility, respect, winning, love, acceptance, fame, recognition, sex, to be envied, things. Those are things that God created. God created us to desire desire stuff, to, to have emotion. God created them, but sin distorted them. And sometimes we can pray for appetites to be gone. God, why, why do I spend time in your presence and I feel like everything is going, going right and I wait till 1230 at night and I'll watch something that I shouldn't watch? Why? Shouldn't my passion for Jesus override that? 
See, sin distorted our appetites. But they're never going away. So we need to find a way to harness our, habit, our, our appetites. Something else to remember about, about our appetites is that appetites are never fully and finally satisfied. This is probably the most important thing to understand about our appetites. They're never fully and finally satisfied. Let's look at an example. Thanksgiving dinner, okay? We, we love our turkey and our mashed potatoes. And, and depending on where you're from, I grew up in Newfoundland, so literally Thanksgiving dinner, we'd have like a ham, a meat roast, and a turkey. It was for four people. Um, it, was, it was literally insane. And, and you'd, you'd gorge yourself and you'd eat like nobody's business and you'd roll to the couch and you'd be like, oh, I'm so sick. I'm never eating again. And what happens three hours later? You're back to the refrigerator looking, saying, I'm hungry. Your appetite is never fully and finally satisfied. And that's talking about food. But the same goes for sex. The same goes for progress. The same thing goes for creativity. And the list continues. Our appetites are never satisfied. And the lie about appetites, and this is where sin is distorted, and the lie about our appetites is that, that, these, that appetites will scream, the more you get, the, the closer you will be to being satisfied. But the reality is the more that you get, the more that you get of it, the more that you realize that it doesn't satisfy. But you think that the more that you get, it will be satisfied. And that's how sin is distorted them. And it tells us that lie, that, that it will eventually satisfy itself. Appetites will not satisfy. The only thing that will satisfy in your life is a relationship with Jesus Christ. There is never enough of an appetite to be satisfied. Another thing to know about your appetites is that your appetite will always whisper now, never later. See, appetites always say, trade the ultimate for the immediate. Why wait? An appetite says, why wait? It, it won't be there tomorrow. It won't be there. Why, why, why wait for marriage? Because, because it's, it's going to be good right now. Your response to your appetite will determine if you will fulfill God's will for your life. And that's a harsh one because I had to reflect on that this week and say, have I, have I surrendered to appetites? Have I controlled appetites in my life or have I, or have I controlled them? Have it controlled me or have I controlled it? Have I put in a place to harness all of my appetites? Because appetites scream now, never later. And am I willing to give up the now for the ultimate of what God has for my life? And I, and I believe that in this room, the potential to reach our city and our community and, and our world for Jesus is, is huge. But if we cannot harness our appetites, if we, can, if we keep uh, uh, surrendering to our appetites and not to Jesus, we're only, our potential is going to be limited. And I want to look at a, an example in the Bible, and it's, and it's found in Genesis 25. And I want to I make a reference to how an appetite can really completely change the de- like the, somebody's history, somebody like, that died thousands of years ago, and today is completely changed. I want to look at it, and it's a story of two brothers and their twins. But uh, every twin, there's still an older brother, or there's still an older sibling. Somebody had to come out first. Even though they're born on the same day, they might look a lot alike. But it's the story of two twins, and it's uh, Esau and Jacob are their names. And in this story, we'll discover a powerful principle for understanding the power of our appetites and a principle for harnessing our appetites 
as we keep them in check. Now, Esau and Jacob might have been twins, but they were very different. See, Esau was a man's man. He was, he was hairy. Not that every man is hairy, uh, but he's a man's man. He's, he's outside. He, he, loves, he loves hunting and fishing. He's outside like killing animals while, while Jacob is inside cooking. He's, he's what we would potentially call mama's boy. Not that it's wrong to cook. Um, I'm not a very good cook, but there are men that are really good cooks. So I applaud you uh, because you have a skill that I will probably never possess. Um, but Jacob was a mom's boy. He was inside. And, and there, was, there was this birthright. And a birthright would, would be given to the oldest child. So a birthright in this family would go to Esau. Now, in, in the Bible, a birthright was, was, was significant. It was given to the oldest male in, in his family. And it wasn't just like, oh, well, you're the oldest male. Here's a birthright. Take a tattoo. Uh, it, like a birthright meant something. A birthright meant that he would, he would be, have a double portion of the inheritance. So he'd be twice as rich than any other uh, son or any other sibling. He also got to be the judge of the family. So if there was ever somebody looking for advice, he would be the one that they would go to look for advice. There was a sense of blessing that came with it. And right in the middle of the story, a younger brother is waiting to steal a birthright, the birthright of his family, which is impossible unless the older brother willingly gave it away. And this sets us up for the drama we find in the story. I want to read with it. Genesis 25, starting in verse 29, it says, Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country, famished. Appetite. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some red stew. I'm famished. How many people have siblings? I have an older brother. Anybody have siblings? Now, if you're, a younger, if you're a younger sibling, you might be able to, rec- uh, to, to be with me. But if you're an older sibling, you might be able to, to think this. It's like, you never wanted your younger sibling around. I always, like, there was times I felt like my older brother was like, no, just stay away. I remember uh, my friends would, or his friends would call for a baseball game. And I was four, four and a half years younger than him. And, uh, but I was a decent baseball player. And because our community, as we talked about, was 500 people, which literally only had enough kids to have a game of baseball, um, Whenever they would call Gordon to come in and, and play baseball, the last thing he would say, make sure you bring your brother along because we need him as well. But the thing is, I would be a better b- baseball player than he was, and he would hate it. He would, he would not like it at all. So he would, just didn't want me around. He, I, he would kick me out of his room. He would shut his door. And, and, and we love each other now, but that was the way it was, uh, being the younger brother. And, but every now and then, an opportunity presents itself when the older brother who never needs anything from the younger brother needs something. And this is what we see in this story. Here is Esau needing something from his younger brother. And when the younger brother gets this opportunity, we, we, we relish in the moment for, for a second. Hmm, you need something. This doesn't come around. I got to make this worthwhile. What is his most pride possession? Well, maybe his truck. I'll give you that if you give me your truck. No, I'm not giving you my truck. What about changing rooms? I want the bigger corner room or beds. Or, and you start going down and down and down the list until you get something that you find is fair value. And, and for Jacob and Esau, it was his birthright. Jacob replied in verse 31, first, sell me your birthright. Now I ask you, who in their right mind would trade a birthright for stew? 
For a bowl of stew, who in their right mind would trade a birthright for a bowl of stew? The answer is you. We might be doing that right now. People do it all the time. See, I don't want us to, and I don't want to, and I don't want you to, but so many times we trade the ultimate for the immediate. See, we have no idea what God will fulfill through us if we would just harness our appetites. Verse 32, look, I am about to die. I kind of asked the question, really, Esau, you're about to die? You just came in off your own strength. You might be really hungry, but you're not about to die. But what good is a birthright to me, Esau said. A birthright is worth a lot. But in the moment, Esau loses the sight of how valuable the birthright is. When an appetite is triggered, it's easy to look at the immediate and neglect the ultimate. Verse 33, but Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. I wanna hit pause in this moment. If I could time travel, this is probably the place that I would time travel back to. Um, If you're here and you're a time traveler, welcome. Um, But time travel is not possible. But if I could, I'd like to go back here and I'd hit pause. And and I'd I'd like to stand in the middle of of Esau and Jacob and and hold the bowl of stew and sort of be the person that's handing it off um, and say, Esau, are you sure? Are you sure you wanna sell your birthright for a bowl of stew? Let let me, let me, I'm, I'm from the future. I know that's weird and I dress weird. You got robes on, I've dressed ripped jeans and, and long shirts and stuff. But God, just, just listen to me for a moment. I got something to tell you. I'm from the future and you don't know your future yet, but I do. And this is what's going to happen. It says, you're going to have 12 sons and that your sons are going to end up in Egypt and they're going to be a nation of slaves. And they're going to be slaves for 400 years. And they're going to be God's chosen people. And it's all going to come from your line, from your body. Here's, and they're going to be called God's chosen people, but there's going to be a time where they're not going to know God's name. And God's going to reveal himself to a deliverer of your people. And he's going to reveal himself. And this is how he's going to reveal himself. This is what God is going to say to someone in your family. It says, listen to how this sounds. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. God is going to introduce himself. God, the creator of the universe, is going to introduce himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. But you're going to trade all that away for a bowl of stew. But that's not it. Fast forward 2,000 years. Through your lineage, lineage, God is going to send a savior to the world. He's going to send his only son to save the entire world from all their sins. And this is a Matthew, the first book in the Bible that's written. This, you don't know what the Bible is yet, but that's okay. There's going to be a book that's going to transform our world. And, but this is how it's going to say. Matthew is going to start his book as Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Esau. And from Esau came the Messiah, the son of God. Esau, I know you're hungry. I know you're famished. But do you want to lose all that over a bowl 
of stew. Because if you do, if you trade your birthright right now, God is going to introduce himself to Moses as a God of Abram, Isaac, and your little brother, Jacob. I think that if I was there to tell him that, he might have stopped. However, I cannot time travel and I can't go back and tell Esau, but guess what? We're here. And we can learn stuff from stories and, and, from, and from the Bible. And I can, I can stand up here and say, we don't want to, uh, to, to give into the immediate for the ultimate. Because you know what? Our story has a future as well. And your lineage has a future as well. We have no idea what God might do through us. But we, but we have to surrender our appetites. We have to get a hold of our appetites and harness them to live in him fully. The story continues in verse 34. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. And this is our future if we're not careful. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. His destiny was changed because of an appetite that he could not harness. See, we have no idea what the potential is held in this room. But God does. And I can speak for me, and I think I could echo what you would think as well, that we don't want to give up the potential of what God wants to do through us to reach our friends, our family, our community, our city, because we cannot harness an appetite. And the reality is if we don't allow uh, Jesus to infiltrate every part of our lives, when we escape... If we don't have it in check, we will escape to our places of appetites because appetites scream now, not later. So what's your bowl of stew right now? Is it a habit? Is it a relationship? Is it success, addiction? What are you doing to harness that appetite? Because they're not going away. Your potential is huge. But if we don't rule our appetites, it will rule us. And I know there, if you're anything like me in this room, which you're human, so you probably, you're probably relate to it a little bit, is that we, we have appetites. And you may even be here and you may have given into an appetite up to this very moment. As early as like this morning, maybe you have an appetite that you always keep going back to. The God is a restorer of appetite. You see how sin, sin distorted them? God created them. Guess what? God can restore them as well. And no matter what your life has been to this point, God is a restorer of appetites. In this moment, you can put a stake in the ground and say, from this moment on, I'm going to change. And, and change I'm going to change. And a couple of ways you could do that is by joining a discovery group. Getting connected to a church having people around you that will help you navigate our appetites. If you're here this morning and you've never given Jesus a try, you're like, man, all these appetites, yeah, I have them all. I'm in pursuit of all these things and nothing fulfills me. Nothing will fulfill you. You'll keep pursuing 
and pursuing and pursuing and pursuing and pursuing. And no matter how much you pursue and no matter how much you get, it still will never fulfill you because only Jesus Christ can. Thanks for taking time to listen to this week's message from Discovery Church. If this ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Please email us at info at mydiscoverychurch.ca.